Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Massages can be sexually arousing. Upgrade your foreplay with an amazing massage candle by Maud. It's body safe and skin softening. Once melted and extinguished, it can be poured on the skin and let the fun begin. Check out the link in this episode's description and have an orgasmic time. Somatic sex education is a body-based sex therapy. Educators offer experiences and experiments to awaken and nurture the sensual self. According to the Somatic Sex Educators Association, this can include things like coaching in breathwork, movement, body awareness, boundary setting, communication, and y'all know I'm a big fan of that, anatomy, sensate focus, massage, erotic trance, and other body-based teaching about sex. It can help increase your sexual confidence and sexual agency. Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara, your favorite sex and relationship expert here at Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. And we will explore today. With us today is Court Vox. I'm so excited to have a conversation with Court today. Court is a trained sex and intimacy consultant, founder of his own practice, The Body Vox, where he offers somatic wellness coaching. And again, traditional forms of therapy are done through talk. Uh, The work of a somatic sex educator is to further this form of work via touch and body-based exercises in, of course, a comfortable, judgment-free, and safe environment. Court has worked with clients of all sexualities and genders and runs a ton of workshops around the country. He also co-founded Squirm, and I'm really excited to learn more about that. And Squirm offers objects for sensory experiences. So you're all about senses, right, Court? I am all about awakening the senses in the body, for sure. (laughs) Hi, Court. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to connect with you in person. Yes, uh, likewise, you have such a calm presence. I love that because I'm, I'm like an energetic like bunny. I know, I love that. I love it. <laughs> you just showed up with all the energy. Yes, yes. So I did that little intro to share with my audience first, like what somatic sex education kind mm-hmm. of entails. But I would love for you to briefly talk about your journey. So how did you get here? Yeah. So I've been um, working in this field for about three and a half years um, consistently. I took two and a half years to study and kind of transition out of my other life, which was working in corporate America. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I worked, I worked for many years for Yahoo, and then I worked for quite a few years for um, a company called Maker Studios, which was acquired by Disney. And then my last job was working for a Chinese e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided that it was time to transition to something that was a little bit more meaningful and in alignment with um, who I am as a human. Um, I got into this because I was studying Shibari rope bondage, mm-hmm. and I was taking group classes um, 
And there was a woman in the class who offered to be my rope bunny, my practice partner. (laughs) And um, so I was at her house one day and we were practicing ties. And I said, you know, I'm really looking to get out of corporate. I don't want to work in this field anymore. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I, I want to be a sex therapist, but not one that just talks to people. I want to facilitate learning through touch and the body and experiences. And I said, you know, I just don't think that exists. And she said, actually, have you heard of sexological body work? Uh-huh. And I said, no, I have not. And so immediately I left her house and I got into my car and I Googled it. And the program that was once offered in San Francisco um, with Joseph Kramer, who's the grandfather of sexological body work, no longer was offering um, courses. And so I ended up studying with an incredible group of humans in Victoria, BC, in Canada. Wow. And um, it's an incredible program. Um, and during that time, I also um, studied to be a surrogate partner mm-hmm. um, with IPSA and also um, really pull a lot of information and exercises that really delve into power and surrender and intimacy, otherwise known as BDSM, um, and elements of Tantra. Um, so in, in terms of breath and um, connection and um, creating experiences that way. Beautiful. Uh, and what an inspiring story of like, you can always make a change to create the kind of life you want, right? Yeah. I So interesting. I was speaking to someone recently about where they are in their life. And they're sort of in this position of working for a corporate job and making very good money and, you know, all the travel benefits and things like that. And it's really, hard to leave. And like was, the, the health insurance. <laughs> yes. And it was, we refer to it as like the golden handcuffs, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there's this desire to kind of explore something different of being more of a coach or a guide of some sort. And, you know, this information or this piece of advice was given to me is sort of looking at your job as your patron. And, you know, when you have a patron, you are very respectful of your patron. You are appreciative. You show up for them, right? You do good work because they are funding your dream. And so looking at your day job as your patron and really giving it the respect it deserves while funding you know, your next project. Look at that. It's a great reframe to look at it. <laughs> I love it. I was going to ask you for sex advice, but look at you giving us life advice. There we finances go. Finances advice. It's just yeah. a man of many talents. <laughs> you know, I think, the, you know, often the way that we show up in, in our eroticism is, is how we show up in our lives. Yeah. Um, and I think I want to make a differentiation between erotic and sex and mm-hmm. erotic and the sexual and that eroticism and erotic can run through all the parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that a lot of clients that come work with me, they're running erotic in so many areas of their lives, except mm-hmm. sex, which is interesting, right? That's the one we think should be a given. Right. Um, but, you know, they're very successful in their work. They've got beautiful families. Um, you know, they have beautiful travel excursions that they're going on, adventures, and the one piece that they haven't been able to quite connect is in their sexuality. And so it's sometimes looking at where erotic already lives within their lives and, and 
and kind of diving into how can we parlay that into your sexuality? Love that. How do you define erotic? <sighs> you know, I, for me, my eroticism is constantly running. So I walk to get coffee in the morning. Erotically. And, yeah. I, this morning I felt the sun on my face and the breeze and I stopped to smell flowers. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but um, when I walk places, I'm able to notice and be present in my body in a different way than when I drive or when I run. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think slowing down and being able to pay attention to the beauty that really exists um, is a big part of my eroticism. And that comes in the food that I eat, the people I choose to spend time with, um, the way that I choose to spend time with people, my home, um, my garden. Mm. Uh, it shows up in a lot of ways. Uh, in a way, this captures the essence of uh, mindful living, right? Mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big piece of what I'm teaching with sexuality as well is like, how can you be mindful of the type of sex that you're having mm -hmm. or be present for the type of sex that you're having and with the people that you're having it with? Um, what are the connections that you want and how are you making them? Um, and offering people the tools to attain that. Um, it's so easy to say, this is how I'm running my life and it's fabulous. Look at me. And it's another to be able to say, you know, this is how I've noticed I've have been able to do it. These are the elements um, that make it easy for me to drop in um, really within a matter of seconds um, into erotic connection with most anyone. Um, mostly because I'm very practiced in that. And also um, I know my body very well. And so teaching people how to access that part of them that's not dependent on me to provide, but really giving them access points and um, exercises and information that they can access long after I have uh, they have been with me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Uh, so for somatic work, um, I know that there are a few things people can obviously do at home. And then there are things that it would be more beneficial when you work with a coach because there's a lot more guidance and accelerated learning, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, what would be like the one thing that you think people can do every day at home mm -hmm. in terms of a somatic exercise or an activity that they can do at home that enhances their sexuality? So this is going to be a little bit cliche and specifically since it's masturbation month, but I think masturbating um, and maybe looking at the different ways that we can masturbate or shifting the language to mindful erotic practice, right? How can we, um, you know, something that I teach clients is how do we go from this experience that's five minutes laying on my back, watching my phone with porn and it's over, like we start it and it's over to something that um, is more body-based, it's sensation-based, we bring our toys, we actually set a time container. So if 30 minutes feels like a long time, let's, let's set 30 minutes. If an hour feels like a stretch, what would it look like and feel like to allow your spell, yourself and give yourself the space 
to be in pleasure that's solely dependent on your own hands and your touch um, and explore the different sensations that feel good in your body, that's a really important practice because you start to develop a relationship with yourself um, and a language and knowing in your own body that you can share with others. So you know that um, a certain type of touch feels good because Mm. you have done it to yourself. And so you can explain to someone, this feels really good for me. Will you do that? I think, you know, when people are exploring like internal, specifically anal, Mm. um, to start with your own finger first is a really great first step, you know, go to a space where it's warm, you know, it could even be the bathtub and just exploring with your own hands and exploring the outer limits of your own body. Those are really important and also things that you can do on your own um, without a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful. I'm definitely a big fan of self-exploration because mm-hmm. I think that all of our education in the K1 through 12 has never been about self-education, uh, self-exploration. It was always about learning, learning math, learning science, learning, you right. know, social studies and like learn history and learn everything about everyone except yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we graduate from high school, we don't have self-knowledge. We have a lot of knowledge about other things, but I yeah. think self-knowledge, a lot of it is, um, it probably comes from maybe parenting like the family, because if, if I imagine like being a teenager, like I don't seek out things to like improve myself. I'm, I'm 16. <laughs> right. And I, I guess what I would say to those people, to those young people, yeah. is you're, you're not seeking growth or wisdom, but it's more about um, starting to, again, understand your own, your own boundaries, mm-hmm. your own limitations, um, what feels good, what doesn't. Um, consent practices being big and also, you know, being gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up is challenging and all of the kind of roadblocks that are in our way of telling us really policing our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically now with, I don't want to get too much into politics, but it's such a hot topic of mm-hmm. um, our government really trying to take away our body autonomy mm-hmm. um, and the rights to our own bodies. Um, and that's a, that's a really big message to young people. Of, and social media. Can you imagine growing up with that much social information? Yeah, it's a lot. I think it's a, it's a lot. And I also think that, you know, this, there's been a movement in sexuality in like a resurgence of interest in it, um, that social media has played a really big part in. Mm-hmm. And then you have platforms like, Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and to an extent YouTube that are even policing the information that's available there. Yeah. Um, you know, educators, um, sex therapists even are being shadow banned and, you know, you're not allowed to advertise. Um, so they're really trying to keep information at bay, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sucks. It sucks. It totally sucks. My yeah. page is definitely shadow banned. And my reels, when I post them, some of them get canceled, like banned. They said it, uh, what was it, violates community guidelines um, and all of those things. So it's really annoying how like big businesses are not in support of like positive sex education. Um, yeah. It's also, you know, there's so many corporations, big corporations 
that use sexuality to sell everything. But when we're actually using sex to sell sex, it's somehow dirty or wrong or not okay. Um, Or or using sexuality to speak about sexual education. (laughs) It's somehow like, nope, we don't want that. Um, I think, and, you know, it really comes back to body autonomy. And when Mm -hmm. people are not autonomous in their bodies, it's much easier to control them. Right. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you when you were talking about uh, how, you know, that kind of sensuality exercises and the somatic work really uh, help people learn about themselves, help people revisit or what is it like awaken their Mm -hmm. sensuality and eroticism and all of that. How uh, how is um, somatic work related to developing authentic sexual confidence? Um, And I want to ask this question in the context of like, you know, there's there's two camps of people. There's a camp of people who is like, I'm all about, you know, um, just fake it till you make it right. Like mm-hmm. I am not confident inside. So internally, like I don't, I'm not that confident. I don't really love myself, but I watch enough porn to know how to perform. Mm-hmm. So how to look confident, not, not feel confident. Right. And then the other camp is all about like authentic confidence. And like, do you actually feel confident? If not, don't act like you're confident because you're sending like wrong messages. So what do you think about these types of confidences and how can somatic work positively affect it? So I'm I'm just going to start by saying that the majority of my clients that come to work with me have done quite a bit of psychotherapy already. And I, and I think psychotherapy is really valuable. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, talk therapy, really delving into old patterns, um, your story, right? All those things are really important part of your process in healing and growth or can be rather. Um, And I think the majority of the clients that come to see me who have done quite a bit of talk therapy, they're like, I'm done. Or I've talked about this so much that I, and it's still the same. So what's the next available option for me? And a lot of it is, you know, people get so entrenched in their story, which is in their brain, in their head. And it's like bringing it down into a space of knowing in their body, of feeling. And that's why sensation play is so important for me and such a big part of my practice is because when you start to feel sensation in your body and notice it and you're present with it, you're not thinking about what does my body look like right now? Am I a sex siren right now? Am I the sex god that this person in front of me wants to be like? It's like, no, I'm actually just focused on the feeling that I'm experiencing. Um, and sometimes it's not even an awareness until afterwards we process. And it's like, how was that for you? Well, I was completely focused on the sensation and what I was receiving rather than what I look like, um, or the story that I have in my head or the shame. Um, they kind of start to fall away when we can be connected to our bodies. Um, and for some people, that's easier than others. Some people, you know have patterns that live in their bodies and shame and body image issues that are that are very heavy and um, more complicated to unpack and the process is slower and everybody will grow and will kind of 
unfold at their own pace. And some people, you know, three days will be enough. And and for other people, you know, multiple sessions and multiple retreats. And, you know, I, I've worked with clients too, where their main kind of interest in coming is this healing and growth and things like that. And after a while, you know, the the noticing is, can you just be here for pleasure's sake? Yes. <laughs> you've grown. You've everything we've done has had a learning goal and mm-hmm. and you've hit every single mark. You did such a good job. Can you just sink into this as a pleasure experience? Can that be the learning? Um, and for a lot of people, that is. That yeah. Is learning. Yeah. So uh, I, I love hearing this other side of like the sexual confidence that stems from more uh, somatic stuff, because in my field, uh, there is a very clear academic definition of what sexual confidence is. And I wonder what you think about it. Yeah, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So in one of my studies uh, that I have conducted, I collected data over almost two years and it was um, and I was able to collect data from 5002 participants. And it's a big uh, survey study that I talked about in my TED talk last year. But it's basically looking at what predicts long term satisfaction. And when I was looking at what predicts long term satisfaction, one of the strongest predictors was sexual confidence. Mm-hmm. And in academia, sexual confidence is typically uh, defined as the uh, trust in your own ability to have a successful sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. The trust in your own abilities to have a successful sexual encounter. I, I did air quotes because successful is subjective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you feel about the trust in your own abilities to have a successful sexual encounter? I actually, I like that. I like that definition. I, I think what's maybe missing is that even when you have trust in your abilities, and even if when you have trust in your body and your your knowing, right, that there there's still room for nervousness. Mm-hmm. There's still room for shame to pop up. Um, there's still room for body image things. You know, I. I feel I would consider myself a person that has sexual confidence mm-hmm. and I've still gone into situations that have failed in my mm-hmm. estimation, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't what I wanted them to be. Um, and I've also gone into situations where I feel like, Ooh, this feels edgy for me. Edgy. This, yeah. This is an edgy experience for me. And like, you know, taking a step back and, and asking myself, like, what is it about this? That's edgy. What is it about it that's a little bit uncomfortable? And mm. can I still step in? Mm. And and that's a big part of my work too, is like taking people to their yellow space, which is what I've described as like your learning edge mm-hmm. of like, this feels a little bit scary, feels mm-hmm. a little bit scratchy. It's like, <laughs> but I still want it. <laughs> I still want to try it. Like there's still that's like me of all times. (laughs) Everything, a a new dessert. Exactly. I I want it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like there's an unknown there. There's a little bit of, you know, freshness, newness, a a little bit of like fear that I making the right decision. Um, and then you step in and you're and you're like, great, I'm here now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes the the yellow place or that kind of scratchiness with a mix of curiosity. Is like right where you need to be. Mm. It's like that's where the like juice lives. 
where the juice lives. <laughs> uh, do you think exploring that enhances one's sexual confidence? The yellow. Wow. I think so. Um, the reason I would say that is because you you get to um, experiment and you get to collect data of things you wouldn't have if you hadn't tried, and you start to um, not only trust yourself that you'll make um, new choices and you'll try new things, but start trusting yourself in terms of uh, how you speak boundaries around it and how you communicate to someone. Um, your no and your yes, mm-hmm. um, and your more. Mm-hmm. Like I want more of that. Yeah. Oh, just right there. That's that's enough for me, right? <laughs> and so it's it's not just like going in gun ho, um, but it's like going in with parameters and mm-hmm. going in with with boundaries, moving um, with partners or with coaches where there is a feeling of safe enough right? You feel safe enough to explore, safe enough to kind of like let go some of your, your armor mm-hmm. and be curious. And be curious. Uh, love it. Um, how, how is somatic work um, different from sex surrogacy? From what I know is it's one-way touch versus two-way. Yeah. I, I would say that's the, the major difference. Okay. Um, in my somatic work and coaching, um, I I do not take my clothes off. It right. is one way touch. I wear gloves to touch mm-hmm. genitals. Um, so there's like certain um, safety and um, protocols that are in place mm-hmm. and ethics involved. Um, and in surrogacy, it's really um, someone who is wanting to experience and learn. Um, intimacy and connection and touch with another person. Mm -hmm. I would say the majority of those clients are latent virgins. Um, So, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds who have not had sex. And wow, it's getting to that point where they're like, crap, I would love to have a relationship or I would love to experience this. And it's just so scary Mm -hmm. um, that I need somebody who's going to hold space for me in a really big way to move past whatever fear is in the way mm-hmm. of getting it done. Um, and the other big difference is that in surrogacy, I work in a triad model with a licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. So the client would see the therapist for talk therapy. They see me for experiential mm-hmm. and the therapist and I kind of work as a, as a team mm-hmm. um, to help the client's growth and learning. Beautiful. So you yeah. really get um, you really like get stimulation from both, right? Yeah, and sometimes the you know the the experiences that they're having with me when it's when it doesn't feel comfortable to share with me what's going on, they'll talk to the therapist about it. And so it's nice to have that additional set of eyes and ears as support. I think that's great. So in your work for somatic work. Um, in general, do you do sensate focus? And then like, what is it? So sensate focus actually comes from surrogacy, uh, comes from Masters and Johnson's work. Um, sensate focus is, is simply focusing on sensation in your body. So we might start with touch on the palm of the hand and noticing, you know, what does that feel like? Can you name how this type of touch feels for you? And for many people, you know, the response might be that feels very soft, feels tickly, 
feels sensual. It feels nurturing, right? There's a language already in play with touch. And for some people, there is not. So it's um, very diagnostic for me as a practitioner of, you know, kind of touching the hands and saying, what do you notice? What sensations do you feel here? It feels good. It feels really nice. Mm -hmm. And this process, like what are the benefits? Of sensate focus? Yeah. So the benefits of sensate focus are awareness um, predominantly you know, when you're focusing on a specific sensation that's in your body, your mind is not thinking about what am I making for dinner tonight? Or God, pay the my, bills. Right, there's so many bills I have to pay. Or um, my my belly is rolling over my underwear right now. Uh-huh. Like all the thoughts that come into play um, for many of us during this type of play, when there's an actual um, focus on specific touch or sensation that's happening in the body. It's like, that's the practice. It's like, are you familiar with Vipassana meditation? Yes. Uh, I, I grew up in Thailand. Oh, so wow. my, my family uh, was and is still very Buddhist okay. and would send me to like Vipassana school when I was like 12. Wow. Yeah. I was like three day meditation, long, wow. long sessions yeah. of meditations. I, I hated it when I was a teenager, but now, oh my gosh, I can't say how grateful I am. Right. I have really good. Uh, my ability to focus is like insane. My, my partner always tells me like, wow, I can't believe you can sit there and work for six hours straight. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, honestly, is the Vipassana. <laughs> But, you know, with Vipassana, the, the only real directive or guidance is to notice the breath. And in sensate focus, the only real direction or guidance is to notice the sensation. And so as simple as that is, and as simple as, you know, Vipassana is to say, notice your breath, focus on the inhale, focus on the exhale, the mind comes in, right? I, the, the week that I did Vipassana, I had the craziest thoughts. <laughs> Britney Spears would really benefit from this. I'm like, I wonder where she is. Like, is her head still shaved? Like, and then I was like, what the hell? And, you know, and, and, and it's also about the noticing that the mind does wander. Mm-hmm. The mind will want to be in its like monkey active brain. Yeah, yeah. And, and instead of coming from a, a judgment place of like, oh, God damn it, there I go again. I just fucked it up. It's being gentle and saying, you know, all I notice, my mind's wandering. Let's focus back on the sensation. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can just be focused, be attentive for a little bit longer. Uh, I love that. Uh, I can recall just all the all of the vipassana or like the silent meditation camps uh, mm-hmm. over the summers that I was sent to, like up until I was 16 years old when I still lived at home. Uh, and I remember every time I meditated or doing, you know, a breathwork session, I would be thinking about other things, especially how hungry I was. Oh, yeah. Because like at these camps, they don't feed you until like fasting is a part of it. Right. So they don't feed you out until a certain time. And then when they feed you, it's very small amount of food um, because it was all about just learning to live minimally. Um, Yours sounds way more hardcore than mine. Was. And really, really <laughs> <Yeah>. bland foods. <laughs> it was all it was all vegan. I, it was all vegan food, but it was actually quite delicious. And it was breakfast, lunch, dinner. So we we ate a little bit more than it sounds like you got. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this was a some hardcore child yeah. <laughs> Buddhist meditation camp. Right. <laughs> uh, I want so I asked about sensate focus because I think uh, what um, what we can do in sensate sensate focus practices is using different items, right? Yeah. So uh, tell me more about squirm. So squirm actually was born out of that, right? It was born um, because my teaching partner and my business partner, Pamela Madsen, and I, you know, this is a big part of the work that we do um, with private clients and also at Back to the Body of sensory exploration, you know, like what feels good for you? Does scratchiness feel good? Does smooth wood um, the feel of stone, the feel of a flog on your back, the feel of a feather. So really thinking about sensation um, as a spectrum and starting with something that's very soft and going to something that is deeper or has a deeper impact. And all of those might be really pleasurable for you. And you don't really know until you try. Um, and I think there's a lot of ways that you can play with sensation and play is such a uh, beautiful part of sexuality and sex um, that I think we don't, that's missed a lot of the time because we get so serious about it and we want to uh -huh. get it right. And sometimes fucking it up um, uh -huh. can be really silly and laughing about it can be incredibly connecting and intimate. <laughs> and I think where people, um, where people take a misstep maybe is when the laughter comes and the silliness comes, instead of allowing it to be a connecting moment as a pause, they look at it as an ending. Oh, oh we, la we laughed at ourselves and now we have to It's stop. no longer sexy. Right. It's no longer sexy. Like, <laughs> no, actually, this is sexy. It can be sexy. And like, let's stay. Let's stay in the game that we're in. Let's continue to play. It can yes. be a moment. It doesn't have to be um, a defining end or beginning. Laughter's fucking hot. I love laughing. <laughs> yes. When I feel like when, when my partner and I are like maybe talking uh, about something that we find really funny and we're laughing, I'm horny, man. I'm like looking yeah. at him. I'm like, <laughs> kind of want to fuck right now because we're <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> what uh, I love play. And, um, although I haven't been playing a lot with different items yet, like we, how we would play is we would like show body parts outside, mm. like in secret. Right. Oh. So we might be like at a mall <laughs> and there's like a little corner where no one sees like, you know, I'll show him like my left nipple and then we'll laugh about it. And then, you know, we'll pick it up when we come home. Uh, so but it is um really, really like in a way I feel like, like uh, it allows us to stay in, in this kitty, like childish, uh, let's just experiment mindset because we're so go 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 let's get things done boss you know uh mode all the time and in that boss mode your shoulders are really tense your neck is really tense you're you're so serious uh to flip if you were if you're you know in bo boss mode all day and you go to work and you're just boss 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 and then you come home and you you're expected to like Oh, just have sex, right? Just connect with your partner. It's great. Sex is great. Uh, or no penetration is great. Other sexual uh, activity is great. But you're not in that mindset. Yeah. And I catch that in myself where if it was like a serious day, like a huge meeting at work or something like that, and then I come home, I don't feel 
sexual. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm ready to enter that uh, arena. But when other days where we are able to be playful during the day, I find it much easier to enter that eroticism uh, in yeah. the sexual realm. So tell me more about like the squirm box because uh, I research it. So it is a subscription box. It's it's not a subscription box. The the box um, comes with um, two fur gloves. So these okay. are very very soft rabbit. Fur um, and the sensation of this is just lovely. Um, okay. It's really grounding. It's really tantalizing in certain areas. Um, and then in combination, it comes with two um, claws. And these claws, I don't know if you can see them. Yes. But they go on the fingertips. <laughs> And you scratch. How them. fun. And these could be really light. You can use, you know, it's depending on the pressure. And, and some people like really light pressure and some people like very deep scratching. Ooh. And, you know, some people like to be marked and the sexiness of being marked by your partner. Um, and these feel, for me, they feel like electricity running through my body. Mm-hmm. Um. And look, not everybody's going to like these, but a lot of people love the sensation of it. Um, feels great on the head and on the yeah. back and all the erogenous zones. Um, and then the box also comes with a Wartenberg wheel or, or a pinwheel. Okay. Which I don't know if you know what that is, um, but it's just like this, this little guy. Okay. And again, it is something you roll on the body and it has like this prick, prick feeling. Um, it was originally developed as a medical tool to test nerve damage. Mm. And so it hits your nerves in a specific way. Um, that just kind of is like, you definitely are alert and you know, you're awake. Um, and these are sensations that it's very hard to not be present to Mm -hmm. because they're, they're different than what we're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also comes with a blindfold, a satin blindfold, um, you know, to be, yeah, to not have your eyes is and to be um, deprivated in that sensory way, specifically with your eyes, because we're such visual humans. It allows people to kind of like go inward um, uh-huh. and not focus on the surroundings or what your partner looks like or what they look like. It's all about what they're experiencing um, in their body. And so, being in the moment. Yeah. And look, blindfold can be something that you just take a piece of cloth and blindfold mm-hmm. with somebody. Um, so, you know, for people who can't afford this box or, mm-hmm. you know, don't want it, um, just take an old sheet and, and rip it apart and, and make a blind makeshift blindfold for yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, even um, in your, in your own practice, your own masturbation practice, blindfolding yourself and seeing how that kind of shifts things for you um, is an interesting exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never done that blindfold really? like masturbation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've done blindfolding with a partner, but masturbation. I never thought about that. I, I, uh, I will try it. Yeah, and, and the whole box is it comes in this really nice box. Cute, and um, it's a great gift and a great thing to like give to somebody and be like, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like my Christmas present to all my friends. They already know I love talking about sex. Like the other day at dinner, I like show up and I'm like, you guys, like, have you tried rimming? <laughs> and they're like, we're about to eat dinner. I'm like, why not? Why not talk about it now? 
If you can, <laughs> why not talk about it now? Yeah, why not talk about it now? You can bitch about your work. I can be talking about rimming. <laughs> I feel like this is a great gift, Christmas gift for all my friends. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'd like to move forward to yeah. the last segment of this show. Mm-hmm. It is called 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara. Okay. <laughs> so what it is, is I'm going to give you a word and you just give me a response back. Okay. Are you ready, Court Vox? Ooh, I hope I, I'm, I'm going to be quick on my feet. <laughs> You're going to be so great. Okay. okay. Number one, sexual confidence. Posture. Ooh. Number two, ethical porn. Necessary. Number three, monogamy. Not my thing. Number four, sex parties. Mm, edgy. Edgy. <laughs> Number five, domination. Love. Number six, tantric massage. Also love. Number seven, sensual play. Mm, that one's more of a sound. It's like a mmm. <laughs> I love it. Number eight, threesomes. Edgy. Number nine, sexual meditation. A wonderful practice. And last but not least, number 10, sex education. Absolutely needed in this time. Thank you so much for your time with us today. Um, Where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at courtvox, um, or you can find me at thebodyvox.com. And yeah, those are the places you can find me. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you, my Love Bites fam, for listening till the end of the episode. DM me if you've loved this. Share this episode with all your friends and family so we can all get sexually intelligent together. Sending you so much love this week. And per usual, have an orgasmic day. Do you want to become sexually powerful? If the answer is yes, Go to lovebites.co and check out 30 Days to My Best Sexy Self, a Sexual Mindfulness Journal. This ebook will change your life. In this Sexual Mindfulness Journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.